Wasn't that a beautiful song? Wow. Beautiful song. Can't we all say Jesus is worth it? Can't we all say that no matter what our circumstances are in life, it's worth it? Can't we all say that when we get to heaven and we look back on some of all the painful things that we've gone through, all the trials and and sorrows and difficulties of life, we can praise God because it was worth it. It was worth it because He is worth it. He is such a wonderful Savior and such a great Lord. And it's a blessing. And Taylor, of course, she sings from her heart. And she's been a blessing singing, I always like to say, since she was real small. And she loves the Lord very much. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer before we begin today? Father, we're so thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us so much to make the journey all the way from heaven to come down to our world, down to where we live, down to touch our lives and to go to the cross and die for us. We thank you that through faith in him we have salvation and eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that we have a hope. We have a hope in heaven to be with you forever. And Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. No matter what we go through in life, you're always there for us. You've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And we pray that you'll calm our hearts now, quiet our hearts, speak to us by the Holy Spirit in tenderest tones, a message that each one needs to hear. And so we commit this time to you and pray that you will hide me behind the cross, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like to change sometimes. You know, we get set in our ways, and by nature, by human nature, we don't like to change. So what does God do? He brings changes into our lives. He allows things to happen so that we will change and things will happen. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a, a man and his wife and his doctor. And so the man was at his doctor's office, and he said, you said the doctor to the patient, are in terrible shape. You've got to do something about it. First, tell your wife to start cooking some more nutritional meals. Stop working like a dog. Also, inform your wife you're going to make a budget and she has to stick to it. And have her keep the kids off your back so you can relax. Unless you make some changes like that in your life, you'll probably be dead in a month. Doc, the patient said, this would sound more official coming from you. Could you please call my wife and give her those instructions? Okay. When the fellow got home, his wife rushed to him. I talked to your doctor. She wailed, poor man, you've only got 30 days to live. <laughs> we don't like to change. We don't like it, do we? We really don't. Life is a series of circumstances, some good and some bad. And how we define that really tells a lot about, uh, about us and about our faith in the Lord. Because nobody can go through life on just smooth sailing all the time where circumstances are always favorable. Even if you're a captain of a ship, you're not always going to have the smooth seas. There's going to be rough seas. There's going to be storms. And guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of our ship. And he's with us. And he is steering the ship. Now, we get into trouble when we say, Jesus, you can go sleep down in the, in the ship there. I've got this one, like the disciples did. And then they woke him up. Master, don't you care? We're perishing because we get ourselves into so many problems. 
But praise be to God that no matter what our circumstances are, we have faith in the Lord that he is going to lead us, he is going to guide us, and he's going to get us through it. And so the more we lean on him and rely on him and trust in him, the less we'll be stressed out, the less we'll be anxious and worried and troubled. And so the title of our message today is Victory Over Our Circumstances. Victory Over Our Circumstances. Because you can either live under your circumstances and carry the weight of them, or you can live above your circumstances with the Lord and allow Him to take care of you. And that's the choice. That's the choice each one of us have to make every day. And God is a sovereign God, and what He allows in your life and what He allows in my life is exactly what we need at that time. And yet we don't always realize it. We don't always understand it, what God is doing. We feel like the little girl that was in the kitchen with her mother as she was cooking. And she was short and she couldn't see over where her mother was cooking. And she says, what are you cooking, Mommy? What are you doing, Mommy? I can't see, I can't see. And she says, I'm working on it for you, honey. You'll see it when it all turns out. You'll get to see it. And she was so anxious to see what her mother was doing behind the scenes. And that's the way it is with the Lord, isn't it? He's working behind the scenes. We can't see it. We can't see that plan, that invisible plan of God that he is working it out in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen, just like in the life of Job. He didn't know what was happening. He couldn't see what was going on behind the scenes. And we're thankful to God that whatever our circumstances are, he is with us and he's going to bring us through it. And so today we're going to look at three things, common things, that can come up in our circumstances that can be difficulties for us. Number one, interruptions. Number two, delays. And number three, changes in plans. You know, it's amazing how interruptions can be so troubling sometimes. Can you, and I'm sure you've been like me, right? You've been praying, you're having a good time with the Lord, and all of a sudden the phone rings, or the doorbell rings, or the toilet overflows. Or the pipe bursts. We've all been there, right? On Sunday morning, I remember Mike and Ginny telling of, of, that, of that story. The dog barks, whatever it is. And sometimes you're praying and you can get distracted and you can start, let your mind starts to wander, you get drowsy, and things like this can happen. We have a lot of interruptions in life. But when we realize that when God allows the interruption, there can be a purpose that's good for us in it. We don't see it at the time. We see it as a distraction. We see it as, as a problem. But God can turn that distraction, that interruption, into something good. And if you look at Acts chapter 20 and verses 7 to 12, we're going to see like a major distraction that happened to Paul when he was preaching the word in Acts chapter 20. Listen to what it says. Now the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread... Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. That's even longer than Adel speaks, right? Till midnight. You were ready to go on till past the Super Bowl last week, but you had mercy. But Paul, <laughs> Paul preached. He went way beyond you. He went till midnight. And it says there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in the window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. Please don't sleep today, folks. 
sinking in a deep sleep, and he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued, he fell down from the third story, third story, and was taken up dead. And then it goes on to say, but Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, so he kept going, and even until daybreak, so if you think the sermon was long at midnight, he continued it on till daybreak, and then he departed. And then it says at the end, and they brought the young man, which was Eutychus, in alive, and they were not a little comforted. They were very comforted. Now, if you talk about an interruption, here he's preaching the word and everything is just amazing and the the Spirit of God is touching people and getting people saved and building them up. And all of a sudden, a young man, he starts falling asleep and he falls down the third story and falls down dead. Now, talk about an, an interruption. Talk about that could throw off your whole sermon and everything like that. And so Paul takes a time out goes down, embraces the young man, and he says his life is in him. And he says, we don't have to worry about Eutychus. He's fine. Let's get back to where we were. And he doesn't allow that interruption to affect anything, and he continues on preaching the word, breaking bread, having fellowship, and then they bring up this young man alive. It's an amazing story about how we face interruptions so many times. I don't know if you were here on that night when I was speaking on a, it was a Monday night, I believe, and we were having a devotion. And I looked at the screen and all of a sudden this video came up from the internet. Nobody knew where it came up from. And it not only was on the screen to be a uh, distraction and an interruption, but it even had volume to it. Not real loud, but you could hear it too. And so we just had to continue on and just ignore it. And we just continued on. And in life, sometimes that's what we have to do. When interruptions come, we cannot let them distract us. We have to keep going. And God will bring good results through it. There's a story told that really touched my heart that I found out that went on during World War II. It was a Saturday night, and it was Thanksgiving weekend, and the coconut grove was packed. Waiters had brought out extra tables and to handle all the diners, and the overflow from the dining room surged down a narrow stairway to the Melody Lounge. Now, the Melody Lounge was a dimly lit bar underneath the South Sea, and it had a South Sea ambiance with artificial palm trees and lights in the trees and so forth. And, and so there they were, and there was a young man there, and he thought it was still too, too much light, and so he unscrewed the light bulb and so forth. And there they were, and... Like many others, there were many soldiers there in uniform because it was 1942 and the World War II had been going on for, for about a year. All of a sudden, Dr. Vincent Senna, who was having dinner that night at the COCA, ended up getting a page that one of his, pa- one of his patients was going into labor. So he was grumbling and upset. He says, I have to leave. I'm having so much fun. And I go out and and do this. And so, because after he left, he went to the hospital, he delivered the baby, and then they found out that night, for still unknown reasons, that the place burst into flames and 490 people died in the smoke and in the flames. 
And as the story goes, the interruption ruined his evening, but saved his life. How many times has God saved us from things when he has allowed things to come into our life that we don't even know about? I believe we won't find out till we get to heaven things that God allowed, some interruptions, some delays, some cancellations, some changes of plan, that if we had proceeded on with, the cha- with not changing that, something bad might have happened to us. God knows. He's sovereign. He loves us. He directs us, our every step in life. Wow, it's amazing. And I love the verse, and many of us have memorized it. We memorized it in Scripture memory class, and some have known it for years, Romans 8, 28. It's one of my favorites. And it says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That verse is not only a great verse, that's a promise. That when we love God and we're called according to his purpose and we're walking in his will, he is going to make everything work out together for the good. We may not see it at the time, we may not understand it at the moment, but he has a way of turning all those things out. And and the New American Standard Version says, and God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. We don't want to be victims of our circumstances. We want to be victors of our circumstances. And to do that, we have to realize that whatever God brings into our life, he's going to work it out for the good. And if we go through trials and difficulties, he's got a plan, and he's going to use it in a big way. And maybe not just in our lives, but in the lives of others around us as well. So next time when you get an interruption, thank God for it and say, Lord, there may be some good in this, and please direct it for the good in my life. Secondly, delays. Now, none of us like delays, whether you're at the airport and, the, and you read the sign, flight delayed. And they come on the, on the loudspeaker and they say, flight number 2321, uh, nonstop to New York City has been delayed. Or, even worse sometimes, has been canceled. And you get stranded at the airport. Sometimes it happens. It's a difficult thing. I remember when I went on a business trip one time to, to Phoenix, Arizona, and there was, a, there was a delay. And it was delayed because the flight was so it was so cold, we had gotten down into not only the high 20s, but it was actually down into the like low 20s that day. It was one of the coldest days I can remember. We went on this flight, and it got a long delay because the, the plane froze. It actually froze where they were, and they couldn't, they couldn't take the plane out right away, and so it was a long delay. And sometimes, and you know if you're a BART writer, I don't know how many here are BART writers. I know Gabe takes BART, I take BART, some people take BART. Uh, no matter how good the system is, there's always going to be sometimes delays. And when you get delayed and you're going into San Francisco, it sometimes is not very comfortable because you get delayed right in the tube. And here you are, and you know you're, you're okay because it's all covered in, but somehow you know you're also underwater, right? You're underwater, and you're in this tube, and you're stuck, and you're delayed. And you know you're going to be late, and so if you've got a cell phone, you might call your boss or whatever, let, let them know you're going to be late. Interruptions and delays. 
Delays can be very, very stressful for us, especially if you've got an extremely important appointment to go to, and all of a sudden there is a delay. You can't get there. And you want to get there, and you know you've got to get there, but there is a delay. And especially, too, if you've waited all week for a certain, let's say, birthday party, anniversary party, or something special like this, you've planned for it for a long time, and all of a sudden there is some kind of delay. It's not easy to take. And yet when we see that even God is even with us in the delays, it's a blessing. It's a blessing because he delays us from going forward and doing something that might uh, be a troubling situation for us. God knows what's best. And I love what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, when it comes to our circumstances. And he loves us so much that whatever he brings us through in our circumstances, we can claim this. Yet in all these things, whatever these things are, whatever your circumstances are, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That is a promise. That is a blessing to know it. And we should always take the approach that... God is with us and God is in it and he's got everything under control because if we take the approach or we have the thought that everything's ruined, I'm going to be late, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be terrible. They used to call that when we studied it in college a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because you feel bad, you are going to be, if you say, oh, I feel bad, you're going to be bad. Or if you think it's terrible, it's going to be more terrible because you're not allowing God to have control. And so we need to remember that wherever we go, that God is with us even in the delays. Now, if you want to talk about somebody who had a delay, you have to go back into the book of Genesis to Joseph. Now, talk about how changes happened in his life and interruptions happened in his life and delays happened in his life. We all know the story about how he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Potiphar bought him. He served in Potiphar's house very faithfully and had control over the whole household, but Potiphar's wife was so bad and she tried to seduce him and all of that. And he ended up getting put in prison, unjustly accused, unfairly, put into prison, and God blessed him in the prison, and he met two men in the prison that were also put in prison by Pharaoh. One was the chief butler, and the other was the chief baker, and each one of them had a dream, and Joseph said, why are you so sad today? And they told him, well, we had a dream. We don't know what it means, and he interpreted the dream, and one man's fate was the chief butler was going to get his position back and he was going to put the cup back in Pharaoh's hand, and he was going to have his old job back, and everything was going to be great. It's going to be even better than before. But the other man had a dream, and that was the chief baker, that he was going to die, that Pharaoh was going to execute him. And guess what? The dreams turned out exactly as Joseph had interpreted. And before Joseph went on, he told the, the man, the chief butler, this in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 14. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me, and make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. Now, I think that's a fair request, right? Shouldn't it be fair? He interpreted the dream. It was a good dream. He's going to get his old job back. Just remember, when you get your old job back and things start going good, don't forget me. I'm in this prison, and I was put in here unjustly and unfairly. Just remember me. Well, sadly... Genesis 40 and verse 23 tells us this. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
And it says, two full years passed before he would mention to Joseph, Joseph to Pharaoh, who one day had a dream too. Can you imagine that? Joseph waited two more years. He'd already been through so much suffering and difficulties and injustices and hardships and trials, and now he's waiting and waiting and waiting. A day passes, a week passes, a month passes, a year passes, another year passes, and here it's been two full years. What happened? I told him, remember me. Why would it be so hard to forget? Because you get back to your life, everything starts going good, and you forget when you were going through all the trials and all the things that happened. But Joseph did not let that keep him back, did he? He trusted God, and what did God do for him? He ended up going out when the butler finally mentioned this to Pharaoh, and he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and then he was made prime minister of Egypt and led his people to the, to the great blessing of having food and all the things that they had. What a blessing it is. And one of the things we have to remember when it comes to God's timing, when there are delays, delays, God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. He's going to give it to you, Emily, but you just have to wait. And it's hard for us as human beings to wait because we want it right away. We want the answer right away. We want the problem to be solved right away. We want the pain to go away right away. We want everything to be smooth now. But God says, wait, there's going to be a little delay here. And when God gives a delay, it's not a denial because his perfect timing is perfect and it's not a minute too soon and not a minute too late when God is in it. And we can be thankful for that. There's, often a, there's a story told of the Apostle Paul. Now you, you look at Paul as one of the greatest preachers and one of the greatest missionaries and evangelists and men of God. Well, he was affected by a de delay. And you think, if Paul got affected by a delay, I can get affected by them too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verses 12 and 13, we see how hard he took it when he had this delay about Titus coming. It says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Paul took this very hard. He was on a mission. God had opened a door wide for him to preach the gospel in Troas. And all of a sudden, by Titus not coming at the appointed time, Paul got very discouraged. He got very down. He let it bother him. And yet later in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6, we see what happened in the end. It says, Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. The old expression is so true, better late than never. Better late than never. And sometimes when you get delayed, you get thankful because when you get there, you say, thank you, Lord, I got here safe. And getting there safe is better than getting there sometimes on time because we want to be in God's will. We want to do his will and his timing. God's delays. One of our most recent delays are sitting right here. There's two of them right here. Adam and, and Elisa. Adam told the story when he gave his testimony about he, how he waited upon the Lord for a wife. But the wife didn't come, right? The wife didn't come. She didn't come. She didn't come. 
And then Adam might have thought, Lord, you didn't send her because that's why she didn't come. And why, Lord? I've been waiting. I've been faithful. I've been trusting you. But she didn't come. And so that was a delay. But guess what? She's here and God brought her after all the delay and has given you two together. And that's a perfect example of how God works. He has us waiting on him, trusting in him for the time to come. And when it comes, we're thrilled, right? We're thrilled because he comes through. Sometimes at the 11th hour and the 59th minute and the 59th second, at just the last moment, he comes through. And he says, guess what, Paul? I love you and I'm going to provide this for you. It may have seemed like a delay to you, but I've had a purpose for you for all these times. And I'm going to bring it about in a special way, in a magnificent way, in a beautiful way. And when God does that, we can be so thankful. I think of different people in the Bible that had delays and they waited on, on the Lord. Abraham, for example, he waited for 100 years to have a son. Now think about that. You've waited a long time, I'm sure, right? But you didn't wait 100 years. Abraham waited till 100 years and his wife Sarah was 90 and God brought about the answer and the promise. He says, I'm going to send you a son, Abraham. And even though he didn't believe it at first, he went off and he said, well, we're going to have a son through Hagar. That's what was Sarah's plan. And so they had this and it was a disaster. It's still a disaster today between the two warring factions and so forth. But when God is in it, a hundred year wait, when you wait that way, the answer is so sweet and so glorious and so beautiful because you have waited long and it's a beautiful answer. And when they gave the son, when God gave them a son, they named him Isaac, which means laughter, because Abraham fell down on his face laughing. He laughed out loud. Sarah laughed in her heart in the tent and the, the angel there, the angel of the Lord says, Sarah did laugh. And so many times when, we have, when we're waiting on the Lord and we see it as impossible, it's never going to happen, never going to happen, never going to happen. God can make it happen. But he's going to make it happen so there's going to be no human hand in it. It's going to be such where it's going to show his hand in it completely, that we didn't even do anything and he brought it a miracle to pass. That's how good our Lord is. I think about Simeon. He waited all his life for the Lord to send the Messiah. And he had a promise that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so he would wait in the temple every day. Didn't happen today. Didn't happen today. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Days, weeks, months, years, waiting, waiting. But I know it's going to happen because God has promised me. And I'm counting on it. And probably others might have discouraged him. What do you mean? You've been waiting all this time and it hasn't happened. But it did happen. God sent the answer and he held Jesus in his, arm, in his arms in that temple that day. And he says, now, Lord, you can let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation because he had in his arms the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had been born. God's delays are not God's denials. And I think about that man at the pool of Bethesda who was crippled and every time he tried to step in the water, when the angel would come down every year, it says in Scripture, and he would stir the water, per first person got into the water would be healed. Well, every time this man would try to get in, he was crippled, he would try to get in, somebody else would be ahead. Somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. It was always somebody else's turn. 
And he probably said, well, why, Lord, can't it be my turn this time? I've, I need it. I need it so bad I'm crippled. I, I've come to this water and I'm waiting. Well, praise be to God that Jesus came by that pool that day. And Jesus healed him after 38 long years of waiting. God's delays are not God's denials. And when Jesus came, he did that wonderful miracle for that man. What a blessing it is. And then when we think maybe of the greatest delay of all was when Mary and Martha and Lazarus were involved. Lazarus was the brother and Mary and Martha were the two sisters. They loved Jesus. They invited him over to their, their home in, Beth, in Bethany and they had much good fellowship and everything all the time. And that day, Lazarus was sick and he was very sick and I'm sure it was a very difficult illness. Probably terminal, terminal illness is what you would call it. And so they sent word to Jesus, go tell Jesus that the one whom you love which is Lazarus, is sick. Oh, sure, Jesus is going to come. We know it. Let's get ready to have a great time of praise and worship and thanksgiving because he's going to come. He's going to heal our brother. He's going to raise him up. He's going to make it well. I mean, if Jesus healed all these strangers that he didn't know that well and all these people were healed of different things, surely he'll heal Lazarus, right? He loves Lazarus. He loves us. He spends time here. But it said Jesus delayed his going back by two days. And during those two days is when Lazarus died. You say, well, wasn't Jesus a friend to them? Didn't he love them? Why did he allow it? Well, John chapter 11 and verse 4 tells us the reason why Jesus delayed his coming to go back to Bethany from where he was. It says in John 11 and verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus knew he could have gone back. He could have gone in and raised him up like he raised up Peter's mother-in-law. He touched her with the fever and raised her up and different people. He healed them and they were healed. He even raised other people up from the dead. But here he's going to go back and he's going to do it for Mary. He's going to do it for Martha, and he's going to do it for all those around. He's going to show that he can raise somebody from the dead, and there's going to be more glory for God in that than just if he had gone back and healed them that way. And isn't it true that when God makes us wait, when there's some kind of a delay, he's going to bring something good. He's going to bring something good through it, and we're going to rejoice because that's how good he is. So we've seen interruptions can interrupt us, delays can delay us, and sometimes changes of plans can be difficult for us to take. You know, we all make plans, don't we? We make plans to go on vacation. We make plans to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and special occasions. And sometimes those plans get changed. Sometimes I feel bad for Brother Adel. We go to celebrate his uh, Father's Day or something like that, or birthday. He's such a patient and wonderful man of God that when there's a delay and we can't celebrate it, you never hear him complaining. You never hear him even bringing it up. He says, well, God has another plan. We're going to do it. We'll celebrate it later. Sometimes we go much later, right? <laughs> much later. I've seen him celebrate it one year later, and he's still just as happy as if we would have celebrated it on time. But that's what happens when God 
is in our circumstances, and he changes things. But sometimes we get uncomfortable with changes, don't we? We want it to go like we planned. We want it to be on the right course. We want to keep it going the right way. And yet God says, I'm going to make a change here for you. And it's going to be a change for the better. Like that story of the wife, I don't think she liked the changes that the doctor was proposing because <laughs> you could tell by what she said. And sometimes we don't like it to change. We want it to be that way. But when God changes it and he has a purpose in it, it's going to turn out much better for us. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, where it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. You know, sometimes we think that what we want to do is great, it's going to be great, that job's going to be excellent, that house is going to be fantastic, this is going to happen, we're going to do this, this vacation we're going on to the Caribbean or whatever is going to be the best ever, and yet we find out that God has something even better for us, doesn't he? He has something even better for us, and we say, wow, I thought what I wanted to do was, was pretty good, but this is even better. And that's why I love that verse of scripture that says, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And he's got something prepared in heaven for us that is so much more fantastic than we can ever believe. And so many times when he changes things in our lives, he has something better for us, and it's going to be so much better for us because God's plans are best. When he makes the changes, it's for the good. And I thought about some of the people from the New Testament and Old Testament who had some changes in their lives, and the Lord made these changes. Think about this. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen and probably believed that they were going to finish their careers and they were going to be fishermen till the day they died, right? And they were going to provide for their family that way. And they were, uh, uh, James and John, they were with their father Zebedee and they had the business. The Zebedee seal was probably on the boat. And Peter and Andrew were brothers and they were fishermen too. And, and guess what? The Lord turned them from fishermen to preachers of the gospel. He says, I'm going to turn, I'm going to, you were once a fisher of men, I'm going to now make you a fisher of men, of men. You were once fishers of fish, you're going to be fishers of men. That's a change. God changed them. And when he changes our lives, it's always for the best. And then think about Matthew and Zacchaeus were tax collectors. Now their job was a difficult job. They had to collect the taxes for the Romans. And if they would have just collected the same amount of taxes that were owed, let's say Rome says you owe $80, you collect $80, but they didn't do it, did they? Rome says you owe $80, but, but I'm not going to tell you you owe $80. What you actually, you're, you're showing on your form here that you owe $150. And if you pay today, it'll be $150, but if you wait till tomorrow, it's going to be more. There'll be a penalty on top of that. And like the IRS, penalties and interest, right? And so they got very unpopular with their fellow countrymen. The Jews people hated them. And they weren't even popular with the Romans. So nobody liked them. The Romans didn't like them. The Jews didn't like them. They were unpopular. But the Lord changed these men. They became no longer tax collectors, but they became men of God who served God. And Matthew wrote the first gospel that we have in our Bibles. And he was a blessing. And then I think about David. David started off as a shepherd boy, 
and he was the youngest in his family. Some people might call him like a runt, right? Like you have a puppy and he's the smallest one in the litter and the others are so much stronger and seem healthier and you got this little puppy here. Nobody wants to adopt it. Nobody wants to buy it or whatever. You have this little puppy, nobody wants, right? And so David was this young uh, man, shepherd boy, but you know what? He didn't let that stop him, did he? He killed the bear, he killed the lion, and guess what? He killed the giant, Goliath. And God used him in a big way, in a marvelous way. And he took him from being a shepherd boy who cared for sheep to being the king over all of Israel and caring for God's sheep. Was that a change? Yes, that was a change. And I remember when I was in college, I was all set, and I've told the story before, but I was all set to become a track coach and a PE coach and all of that because I used to love to run and everything like that. And all of a sudden, the Lord changed my whole course away from that physical education and away from that coaching job and all of that and directed me to speech communication. Speech communication, Lord? I have used that degree and that what I learned in, that, in those classes every day from the rest of my life, ever to, to this present day. The things that I learned and the things that I studied have been a blessing to me. Did God know? Yes, he did. Did he change it for the reason? Yes, he did. And when he makes changes, he's going to change it. And we don't like change, like I said, but when we accept it, we embrace it, and we say, thank you, Lord, for it, he does some great things. But you know, the older we get, the more entrenched we get in our ways, don't we? And it's harder to change. And the Lord has to lift us out of our comfort zone, and he has to take us to a higher plateau, a higher level. And that sometimes is, can be very difficult. Someone once said, people will change when they see, some people will change when they see the light. Others will change when they feel the heat. So sometimes we don't change when we just first see the light, do we? God has to turn up the heat a little bit, and then he's going to change us, he's going to direct our path, and he's going to take us down a different way, a different aisle, a different hall, and he's going to get us to a different level. Praise be to God. He is so good. But the process of change is not one that's easy, and sometimes we have to take baby steps. And when you take baby steps, as God leads you and grows you and guides you, he helps you take these steps one after the other after the other, and pretty soon you don't hate change anymore. Pretty soon you embrace it and you say, Lord, this is good for me that you have changed my situation for the good. So as we conclude our message today, let's remember these three things can, can really get to us sometimes, can't they? We can either be victors of our circumstances, and hopefully we all will, or we can be victims. The victor says, thank you, Lord, what you have done, whether you allowed an interruption, whether you allowed a delay, whether you allowed a change in my life, it's for the good, I'm thankful for it, and I'm a victor because I'm not seeing it as something bad, I'm seeing it as something good. It's from the hand of God. On the other hand, we can be victims. Woe is me. Why did that happen to me? Why did this have to happen? Right when I was about to get it, right as it was about to happen, it didn't happen. Why, why the interruption? Why the delay? Why the change? Why, Lord? Why? We see ourselves as victims. We start to complain. We start to grumble. May the Lord help us to realize that he is in control. 
One day I said, we had at work, we were talking about this, and he said, we're too blessed to be stressed. Too blessed to be stressed. And when we think about that, and we realize that when we sit back and we just say, Lord, you're in control. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but one thing I know, that it's going to be for my good, because God works all things together for the good, and he's going to do it for us. That happened in Job. It says his end was better than his beginning. And guess what? For the child of God, our end is better than our beginning. Because once we get saved now and we have all the blessings, just wait. Just wait until we get to heaven. Because our end is going to be greater than our beginning. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't say your end is going to be better than your beginning. In fact, your end is going to be worse than your beginning because the Bible says that the soul that sins shall die. It says that if we don't accept Jesus Christ, we're going to spend eternity in hell. And God doesn't want that. He loves us too much. He wants us to come to Christ today. And this is a crisis point this morning. This is a, a fork in the road where you can accept God's remedy, where Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And all you have to do is confess to him that you're a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. I've been trying to live my own life by my own circumstances and trying to win and trying to get ahead, and it's just, I've, I've fallen flat. I can't do it anymore. And you come to Christ and you accept His free gift of eternal salvation. You say, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And then, then He will change your life completely. And when you get saved, there'll be a radical change. Not a small change, but a radical change. He will change you from darkness to light, from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, all by receiving Christ. And still, all in all, he's going to make more changes in your life as you get saved, as you grow, and he's going to make you more like him until one day we go to heaven and we see our Lord face to face and we say, thank you, Lord, it was worth it. Like Taylor sang in that song, it was worth it. The journey was worth it. The pain was worth it. The difficulties were worth it because you led me, Lord, in exactly the right path in your time. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word, Lord, for your encouragement by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that it's a practical message because we all face interruptions. We all face delays. We all face changes in plans. How we react to them, though, is, is going to be the key. Are we going to let it bother us? Are we going to start worrying and being anxious, being troubled, stressing out? Or are we going to leave it in your hands, Lord, and trust you that you have a better way and a better plan and something greater that you're going to do in our lives? We just pray you'll take us home safely today, Lord. Help us to rejoice in you. Pray for the men's dinner tomorrow night and the women's Bible study that you'll bring us back and help us to have a great time. We just ask this now and thank you for today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.